I now declare the quick draw competition open. Yeah. Each man who enters the contest will fight once a day. Yes. Anybody can challenge anybody. The time of the fight will be pulled from a hat. For the duration of the contest, every fighter is entitled to whatever he wants Courtesy, Mr. Harris. But the man who wins the contest gets this. $123,000. Compliments, Mr. Harris and Wells Fargo. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Do you see, have you ever had a chance to see Harbinger Down? Is that a animated film where a bunch of rabbits die? Huh. Also, it was a dancing horse. Like Noah's Ark, 39th day kind of smells. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good there, hombres. Nice. That's good. This is episode 407, and tonight we're talking about The Quick and the Dead. Yes, I know, just last week we did another Western, but them's the break. So we're going to get some Westerns, and then we probably won't do one for a long time, which is fine. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew, also sleeps on a bed of dynamite, Jimison. Um, well... Should I tell my wife that we're calling her that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she is a firecracker, if you know what I mean. She is a firecracker. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we just said that. And uh, (laughs) And there's evidence. And Yes, for all times. It's a good thing she doesn't listen to our show. (laughs) And making his Cheap Seat Reviews debut is Hammond is still looking for the Sam Raimi car. From the Soundography podcast. How you doing? I'm glad to be here. Uh, we met during uh, and the America's Next Top Podcaster. That's right, we did. Time around. We did. I, I was the silent producer. Yes, he was the silent producer, and um, and of course, Hammond. I've known of you from many years of listening to, um, you know, Brian Ibbett on his on on the morning stream talking about Hammond. You and he having the soundography podcast together and that was very cool so if i can steal just a little bit of the frog pants family and put them on my show i'm very excited for it so thank you no i don't i'm I'm more like the ugly stepchild i don't know if i'm actually part of the family i'm i'm the cousin oliver of the frog pants world hey well whatever that that whole family is all a bunch of weirdos anyway so i think we're okay uh and i and i i say that as being someone who's part of the tadpool i think it's okay i can say that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so let's pull up a comfy chair and dive in but before we do that i do would like to i do would like that's bad english i would (laughs) like for you hammond to tell our listeners about your well you have several shows so tell us about anyone or all of them or whatever so i started beyond the playlist back in 2013 it's an interview show where i talk to people who make their living in the creative fields and i'm kind of asking them about the how and the why they chose to make their living in those fields. And so I've interviewed sculptors, painters, professional wrestlers, uh, one professional football player, uh, all kinds of people. And it's kind of the 
the the hub of everything I do. I, I don't wouldn't be doing any of the other shows I do. Soundography, uh, from the future of love, ANTP, you know, any of the other things I work on without that show. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do soundography. We're in between seasons right now. We're working on season nine, which is shocking that we're that far into it. Yeah. I do that with Brian Ibbett and be on the playlist and I work on a bunch of other shows for other people. And that's kind of how I make my living now. That's really great. That's awesome. Yeah. We're glad you're here. Yeah, we so much. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I uh, was very excited to uh, book you, and I think I booked you while I was still a contestant on the <laughs> on ANT. I think you did too. I think you were actually asking while you right before you got booted, which may or may not have played into you getting booted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the fact that my name was Sean had more to do with it than anything else. <laughs> That's right. You were great. You were part of the great Seanning. I was part of the great Seanning. The the first round, if your name was Sean, you got kicked out of the show. So. <laughs> I just made it easy for the rest of us further than on. Yeah, I know. I know. But that's okay. I'm not at all still a little bitter about it, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's okay. Go listen to uh, America's Next Top Pad- Podcaster, America's Next Top Podcaster Season 4. Uh, you can listen to my work up until Episode 4. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's okay. So this movie, uh, Hammond, you picked this movie, The Quick and the Dead. I don't even think I gave you options for movies. I think you just said, oh, no, I did. I think I did throw yeah, out a few let, options. You, you sent me a list, and the only one that I liked on the list was this one. So that's why we picked it. Nice. <laughs> that does kind of seem to happen often where it, it's like I'll give a list of six or seven movies, and they're like, well, I picked that one because it was the only one I liked. Well, and that's the thing. The others, I remember thinking, what the hell is he doing? I mean, what is he setting me up? <laughs> that's what he does. He he gives a bunch of crap films and then one one decent one in. <laughs> yeah, it was like Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter, uh, Rubber, <laughs> Hobo with a Shotgun, and Quick in the Dead. I'm like, okay, of course we're picking Quick in the Dead. Okay. In fairness, uh, we've already done Rubber, and um, <laughs> that was like our fifth movie or we ever did. And... Uh, Hobo with a shotgun has been one of those weird movies where like we've tried to do it several times and it like it'll be streaming for a while and then we should, like we put it on the list and it disappears. So it's just kind of weird phantom movie that eludes us. The next time on. you have me on, I want to do the Planet Terror uh, Death Proof double feature uh, Grindhouse film that Tarantino and Rodriguez did. Okay, that's a date. I like it. No problem. Um, it is interesting, Andrew. It feels like everyone that we bring on, not everyone, but it, it feels recently everyone we bring on wants to make us watch a horror flick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they like to see us squirm because they know we're weenies. Yeah. I don't know if Death Proof would be counted as a horror flick, and I'm not even sure if Planet Terror does because yeah. it's actually pretty funny. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it does. I've not seen either one of them, honestly, so I don't really know. It, it always kind of came across as like a schlocky 70s horror-ish type thing. So it was released on April or an Easter weekend, like Easter of 2009. So, of course, no one saw it. And it was two movies back to back with a runtime of like three hours plus. Uh, and it, they weren't movies that people were interested in seeing Easter weekend. So it kind of just disappeared. And I feel like it was a, a lost opportunity for Rodriguez and Tarantino because they're both really entertaining movies and like Death Proof had featured Zoe Bell in her first like acting role when she was a stunt woman for Xena for so many years and for uh, Kill Bill for so many years. Yeah. So 
you know, it's it's got some stuff in there. And uh, the Night Nurse from all the Netflix DC, uh, Netflix Marvel series was in there. So, yeah. Uh, who's playing the live action version of Ahsoka. So Yes, right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosario Dawson. Yep. But unfortunately, she's not in 1995's The Quick and the Dead. Uh, Sam Raimi directed The Quick and the Dead. Uh, I thought I had seen only a little bit of this movie until I started watching it. And then I realized I've seen almost all of this movie. Uh, and I was very excited to to kind of revisit it because it's been a long time since I have watched it. I remember just kind of finding it on HBO or something and just been really intrigued by the camera work and the style and, and all that stuff. Cause at that time when I watched it, I don't think I had yet to watch uh, evil dead or army of darkness or anything like that. I just don't think I had, I had seen those yet. Cause I didn't see those until freshman year of college. So we're talking 2000, 2001 ish. Gosh, you're so young, <laughs> <laughs> but you saw basic instinct though. Uh, I have not seen Basic Instinct. <laughs> I know I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw I saw Army of Darkness in the theaters in '92. I saw Quick and the Dead in the theaters in '95. So yeah. I'm significantly older now. So I may as well go ahead and grab a cane and a walker and have a seat. <laughs> it's really funny because our last episode, our guest was a decade younger than I am. So this is this is nice now to have someone. Uh, a yeah, little good bit. to be the young one again. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew was feeling lost <laughs> last week. Uh, yeah. Last week uh, we learned the phrase geriatric millennial. You shut your mouth. <laughs> Are you guys geriatric millennials? Technically. Yes. That's the, that's what, that's what the, I was born. Kids are calling us. I was born in 82. So like I'm in that, that weird age where I'm technically a millennial cause I'm not gen X, but uh, but I also remember life before the internet and cell phones and stuff. So that's what that's where the geriatric part comes in. So I feel like Gen X has been misnamed. I feel like we should be called the Kiss Generation because I'm sure there's not a person in my age group that doesn't know one Kiss song from back to front, word for, <laughs> for word for word. Nice. All right. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you market that. <laughs> uh, yeah. In '92, when Army of Darkness came out, I was 10. <laughs> yeah, I was a. Oh, I was a freshman. No, I was a sophomore in college. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you're old. It's fine. So <laughs> uh, insult your guests as they come on. It's a good way to have people come back on your podcast. It's a, here's a hint for, or a tip for all of you uh, podcasters out there. Yeah. yeah pro pro tip. Tip. Be snarky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like I said, this, uh, the quick and the dead with Sam Raimi, I just, I'm so excited to talk about this movie mainly because of Sam Raimi and how weird and fun and quirky this movie is. And before I do any of that though, there's actually a good chance that people that are listening don't know what this movie is. So Andrew, please tell our fine listeners, what is the quick and the dead? A female gunfighter returns to a frontier town where a dueling tournament is being held, which she enters in an effort to avenge her father's death. Yeah. Okay. Do we spoil things or or is this a spoiler show? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Especially for movies that are this this old. old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why is she avenging the death? She should actually just shoot herself. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of, I mean, it was one of those, I don't know if you would call it a twist, but it was one of those twists at the end of the movie that you were kind of like, Oh, so really you've been shot Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. (laughs) You've been vengeful for no reason. (laughs) 
Yeah, she should well, teach. I mean, uh, she, she could teach the stormtroopers a coerced, thing or two. But. Yeah, I mean, she was forced to do it. I mean, I I, I get it. I mean, she, you know, they were going to kill her dad. So I I understand the joke. I was funny. So again, I people that listen to this show know I watched these movies with my wife. So when that scene was coming up, I was looking at her to kind of see her reaction, and it was perfect. She just. You know, her hand went to her mouth and she just looked back and, you know, big eyes. And she goes, oh, my God, they made her kill her dad. I said, well, they didn't make her, but she did. She's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So she did what Lando Calrissian was afraid Han would do to him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then they and then they changed it in the special edition. I know. It's so dumb. I like the original better. Anyway, so uh, let's do some five word reviews, shall we? Andrew, what you got? Uh, again, I, I'm breaking records here. Oh man! Two five word reviews. Exactly so five words. I'm impressed. Yeah, a very Sam Raimi western. <laughs> and then my second five word is a little too Sam Raimi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, funny you went there. Yeah. No. This. Uh, gosh, th- it's very, you know, it's Sam, Sam Raimi style. You know, and this, I think. If you watch uh, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man films that he did after this, you see, of course, you see his style in those as well. But to me, this movie is one of the most Sam Raimi films that I have seen. Now, I haven't seen Evil Dead. Um, so oh. it, that that may be. Well, we're definitely doing that for the podcast. I didn't okay, know so that. Have you guys seen The Gift? Uh, no. It's I, the one he did right before Spider-Man. It's got uh, Keanu Reeves, Kate Blanchett. Uh, uh, gosh, she was in the Karate Kid, the last Karate Kid with the girl. Um, it's got Greg Kinnear, Katie Holmes. It's a fantastic cast. It's got uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, fantastic cast. An amazing movie. And uh, it's the thing that actually made me believe that Keanu Reeves could act. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, the only um, Sam Raimi films that I've seen other than Spider-Man and this, um, uh, was it Darkman that we did for the podcast? Yeah, yeah we did Darkman, yeah. Um, and then I think I think I saw Time Cop. I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I did. But that's it. And Doctor and Strange 2. Well, yes, and Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But certainly if you look at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness – Again, you see little tidbits of Raimi, but nothing like this. This is very Raimi. Um, yeah, I took a few notes, um, and you know my rule that if a movie keeps my attention, it, I think it's a, a, at least a good enough film to watch, you know, again, after the initial first watch. Um, but not all moments of this film kept my attention. A lot of it did, and a lot of it I didn't want to look away, but some of it I, I did find a little boring. Um, so just a few things. Of course, we get the zoom. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, under not the a- eyes and under the face, and, and not just once or twice. Like, it happens a bunch yeah. in this movie. Um, I hate to be a stickler, but I'm going to be a stickler. It's not a zoom. It's a push well, okay. Yeah, it, yeah. Also, can I also say, too, that if you watched a lot of, like, 70 spaghetti westerns, that's what they always did. So he was leaning on uh, kind of tropes of westerns that came way before him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the music, 
of the movie. I, I mean, as a music person, I kind of liked it. Um, it was Alan Silvestri, Silvestri, mm-hmm. um, who of course did back to the future and, and other f- great films that we know. And, um, I heard Mars and I heard some star Wars influence almost yeah. in some of this. There was a lot of Mars in this. You're right. Yeah. But, uh, overall, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, I, not all the acting was great. Um, in my opinion, but, uh, Story was kind of loose as well for me, but it wasn't, wasn't terrible. I would watch it again and it it probably would be more fun if I were watching it with, with people. Was this your first time viewing this? I don't think I asked you that. It was, I've never seen it before. Okay. Interesting. I didn't even know it was a movie. Uh, and, and when it was mentioned last week, when you said we're watching this, I thought, oh, okay. And I looked it up and I saw on IMDb that some of the, Set photos were in black and white. I thought, my God, this must be a really old movie. And then I realized, no, I was, I was in fifth grade when this came out, so <laughs> not too old, but it's still old. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's post Jurassic Park, so yeah. There's your there's your marker for you. Uh, okay, Hammond, what's your uh, five word review? The Sam Raimi Film School. Nice. Uh, this, this movie has it's it, it has all the things that he did for all the movies up to this point, and it it then plays on those old western tropes, but it's all in uh, Sam Raimi's vernacular and his his uh, his kind of visual verbiage. And let's see, he had done. Okay, he'd done Evil Dead, Crime Wave, no, yeah, Crime Wave, Evil Dead 2, Dark Man, Army of Darkness, and then he did Quick and the Dead. And then the very next film he does is A Simple Plan. So this was him getting to flex his his muscles, his his filmmaking muscles and his chops in, a, in a, an environment that he hadn't done before with without it being a horror movie, without it being – you know, overly silly because a lot of those other movies have this element of like a three stooges to them. Mm-hmm. So he, he was able to stretch out and, and kind of try something in his style in a different venue. And, you know, it, it's not a perfect film. Uh, I, I almost completely agree with the casting. Uh, but overall, I, I think more than anything, the character actors that they brought in, they really made this film. And I, I, I watch this probably once every couple of years. So this is not something new. And like I said, I saw it in the theater. So I enjoy it. It's not my favorite Sam Raimi film, uh, but it's in the top five. What well, is your favorite Sam Raimi film? Army of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, without question. I watch that movie every year on Ash Wednesday. I love that you do that. that <laughs> nice. <me> up. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned those character actors because there are a lot of really good ones in there, like Keith David, um, who plays Cantrell. Um, I think he's great in everything that he's done. Um, Robert's Blossom, which sounds like an appetizer from the Outback, um, but uh, you know he was. I, I, every time I see him, I, I can't think, but he was the old guy in Home Alone. Like he was the old creepy yeah. mm-hmm. trash can man. Um, but again, he he's done so much more than that after I looked at his his list. And then Pat Hingle, 
who was Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon, Gordon in the, yeah. In the earlier Batman films. Well, and uh, we have Lance Hendrickson, who is known for probably most for Bishop. Yeah. But he's done all kinds of things that people have recognized him for. And in this, he plays that showboaty kind of Wild Bill-esque gunfighter mm-hmm. kind of living a lie but not really living a lie but kind of living a lie kind of character uh really really well and i wish that he had lasted a little bit longer in the film just because i enjoyed watching him chew scenery yeah <laughs> yeah he was an interesting character for sure and i didn't realize he had such a deep voice i haven't seen him in a lot of films before i've seen him in a couple things but he's got a really deep voice if you see if you ever had a chance to see harbinger down uh it's really good it's a You'd enjoy his performance in that. Is that a animated film where a bunch of rabbits die? No. <laughs> that movie scarred me as a child so deeply. Yeah, we reviewed it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't go back. I'm glad you guys didn't have me on because I would have said no. Well, we actually had a guest say no, and we had to bring on a second guest who then had to reschedule. So we had to bring on a third guest. Uh, yeah, it's because they're all avoiding watching that movie. You know, and the yeah, uh, the crazy thing about that movie is, and, and we're going to go here for just a second, is that like, I had been told, oh, this is a scary movie or it's a depressing movie or it's a whatever movie. And like as a kid, when you would have seen this in because it came out in like 77, right? Like, yeah, so as I, was, a, I was six. Yeah. So like I can totally get how that would be a scary film to see. But like as an adult, I'm watching it. I'm going, okay, this is not that bad. Like this isn't that depressing. You know, like most of the rabbits live. Um <laughs> You know, like most of them live. The hero lives, right? The bad guy he, rabbits die. The bird is annoying, but, you know, he, whatever. And when the movie, at the end of the movie, he dies of old age, which is like the what you want to do. So, like, I didn't really find any issues with the movie. I, I actually kind of enjoyed it. So I, I think I, it had less to do with the story than the animation style that really disturbed me. The animation uh, style yeah. is a little janky. It is. It is. Would also, you know, when we watched it, I kept, couldn't help but to think about kids who were in middle school and, you know, freshman year of high school who were learning about the Holocaust. And they see these rabbits literally gas chambered in their dens. And that's got to be scarring for, for people that watched it around that time in their yeah. lives. Yeah, I think the animation style, if I remember correctly, the score is also super creepy. It's not, yeah. it's very, it's very off-putting. Uh and then, of course, there's just lots of rabbit blood, and it just—it's lots of sense memory for me, and a lot of it just makes my stomach hurt when I think about it. Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's talk about something less depressing, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, this movie does have a lot of death, and there's a couple of deaths in this movie that are actually pretty effective, I think. Um, but before I talk about that, I do want to say this. So I asked you, Hannah, uh, what your favorite Sam Raimi movie was. Andrew, you, yours is probably one of the Spider-Men, I guess, because you haven't seen very many. Well, no, I would probably say the the newest Doctor Strange um, because I feel like it's – I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of, of the Sam Raimi style. Sure. And so that well, I gotta go. See you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it could be again because I haven't seen that many. Yeah. Watch the um, game. Get yeah. back. Um, but I would say that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is probably the least like his Sam Raimi esque style, right? 
I think I think uh, Feige let and him do. I think they let him do a little bit more than what the producers at Sony let him do for Spider-Man trilogy, because yeah. Doctor Strange too felt way more Sam Raimi. The only part in the Spider-Man trilogy that I ever went, this is definitely a Sam Raimi movie, is during when Doc Ock is kind of becoming Doc Ock when he's on the hospital bed and they're getting ready to saw off his limbs. That's a horror scene, right? The things yeah. coming to life and they're killing the doctors and there's a lot of, you know, those quick uh, push-ins on the the doctor screaming and and there's not blood, but there's like a lot of you know liquids flying around and there's shadows. Like I watched that in the theater and went, oh, that's the guy that directed the Evil Dead movies. You yeah. know, like also the other thing with that is it's almost a montage. That uh, mm-hmm. that quick cut montage that he's also notoriously no. known for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite of that is when Ash is gearing up in Evil Dead 2 with the chainsaw bit. Like, yes. you know, it's it's get, get the glove and he gets the thing and then here's the belt and here's the chainsaw and then there's the shotgun and then he's loading it. Like, it's you're right. It's like a montage in 30, 30 seconds, but we never leave the scene. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the it's the AT montage cut down to thirty seconds and no music usually. Yeah, and it's just all these. There's always a sound effect, like we're hearing the camera flying through the air. You know, I I love it. See, I I love the Sam Raimi bit stuff, and that's fine. And you don't like it, but it's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. We just just like you a little bit less. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I I love it. I, I really do. As far as which one's my favorite, it would honestly it would probably have to be. Probably Spider-Man 2. I mean, I love Army of Darkness. I had that poster in my my bed, my bedroom all through college. And, I've got it there. And <laughs> <laughs> if I had a place to have, if, if, if my wife let me have posters, yeah, it would be here along with my Star Trek and Star Wars posters too, but I'm not allowed to have posters. So anyway, but it we would definitely be. To get room. Do what? We had to build a house for me to get room. Yeah. Well, we just moved here a couple of years ago, so I can't leave. Spider-Man 2 would probably have to be that for me. I, I really like Spider-Man 2. It, it still holds up. I've watched it not that long ago, eh, within the last year, and I, it still still totally works for me. Yeah, I watched all the Spider-Man movies, uh, all, of, all of them, to lead up to Far From Home with my kids. Nice. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, I apologized. I apologized for Amazing Spider-Man Two. I would apologize for Spider-Man Three before Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, that was another apology, but it wasn't as bad of an apology as the Electro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, my biggest issue with that movie is Dane DeHaan. I think he's a bad actor. Yeah, I just think he's uh-huh. bad in everything. Apparently, he was so good in Chronicle that people want to hire him. I mean, like that, that's he- the thing that we all say was the worst part of Valerian and the city of a thousand planets, whatever is like, he's bad. He was great in, uh, uh, through the never, the Metallica concert film. Okay. Cause he never talked. Oh, well then there you go. <laughs> Cause we've seen him in like three movies, three or four movies for the podcast and he's bad in all of them. So I don't, you know, I don't get how he keeps getting work, but he has a look about him. Um, anyway, my five from Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, sure. He's a way less talented Leonardo DiCaprio. Unless that's what you just said and I didn't hear it. <laughs> Did I just have my own red on layer light? There you go. Only <laughs> very few people will get that, that reference. 
Uh, my five word review was simply quirky Western, lots of tropes. This, yeah, this movie is Tropicana. This movie is a trope sandwich with tropes on top and a side of tropes, but I don't care. Tropes aren't always bad. Sometimes tropes can be good. And you know, the reason why you have them is to make your movie familiar. If you're going to do a Western, then you got to do a Western. You have to have shootouts. You have to have, you know, uh, yeah. And a dude playing the piano and you have to have guys shooting indoors and you have to have all of the women are prostitutes and, uh, teeth. Yeah. Don't call them whores. Oh, well just don't call Sharon stone a whore. That's for sure. That's right. Or she will kick (laughs) your ladder out from underneath you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like this movie a lot. I have such a good time with this movie. I mean, I took, I took a little bit of notes, not a lot, but I took some notes, but I just had such a good time. I mean, my second note was, Oh, this is Sam Raimi as shit. I mean, that's, that's my second note in the movie. <laughs> that should have been your five word review. I guess it could have been. Yeah. Uh, I also wrote that this town is crazy. Like this town feels like like Mad Max or something. I mean, this place is just batshit crazy all the time. Uh, it's just like when the, when you first are introduced to the town, it's like everything's crazy. And by the end of the end of the movie, before the explosions. Like it's just somber and quiet and like it, it feels like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it feels like this is a town of a thousand people. And by the end of the movie, it feels uh-huh. like this is a town of 40. And, yeah. and I don't know if that was done on purpose or, or it's just the way it was shot. I don't know, but it's just, yeah. Yeah. Cause there is that scene of, um, the Dia de la Muerte, uh, celebration mm-hmm. and, the town is like you said, the streets are full and there's so much happening. And then you get to the other scenes later in the movie with the gunfights and there's, you know, 20 people on one side of the road, 20 on the other. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't afford the extras for the rest of the time. Maybe so. Or they should have just had Sharon stone pay for them. Like she did for, uh, was it DiCaprio? Yeah. She paid DiCaprio's salary to be yep. in this, for movie. this film. Yeah. Yep. Wow. She wanted him in this movie badly. And so she paid for his salary. Um, Sharon Stone had almost as much to do with this movie as Sam Raimi did from what I was reading in the trivia. Yep. My book, the unseen force says just that. Yeah. Uh, Um, I, so my two casting problems, Sharon Stone and Gene Hackman. Really? Yeah. I think they're both great actors. I don't know if they're great actors for this movie. Okay. Yeah. I don't normally think who should we recast if we did a recasting. I don't normally think that in a film, uh, but for this one I did for some reason. And I did think uh, that, you know, Charlize Theron would have been maybe a good choice or um, I don't know, maybe Sandra Bullock, you know, like today's Sandra Bullock, maybe not, you know, I, I was thinking, 95. I was thinking, so, um, uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah, just yeah, I could see that. Africa, and she had played that kind of rough and tumble Western character, and that's who I thought of, because you need someone who's a little bit less soft on the edges. And Sharon Stone was way too clean and way too soft around the edges to be the badass that she is. Yeah, there's something about her voice that makes me think that she's a heavy drinker. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know what, but she's got a very uh, kind of scruff voice. Not not like Kathleen Turner, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I think Gene Hackman came across like a grumpy uncle. I, I think he needed someone who was a little bit more ferocious looking. And maybe that's the point is that he looks like he's not going to be dangerous, but he actually is. Yeah. Maybe that's where they're going for. But Gene just looked like he was my uncle and he had a, was having a bad week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But like, but we've had a lot of bad guys that are, are like that, right? Like, uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith from, from RoboCop. He doesn't look like a bad guy. He just looks like a dude that's going to sell you car insurance. While he's licking a grenade uh, pin, and you know, like he's he's like his performance but is weird. There's something unstable but. about looking about him, like he, the way he dressed and the way he presented himself in that movie. Because I just watched that movie this last week for fun. Nice. And he comes across as unstable. The person that's shocking is uh, uh, Dick, the the boss that he, the underboss guy. Mm. Uh, but. Yeah, he seemed to he seemed to come across as more unstable than Gene Hackman did. Uh, maybe it's because he's wearing a fancy suit and a bowler and a, a waistcoat. I don't know, but yeah. like I said, he just again you needed someone I think who would fit the mood of the town a little bit better, kind of grizzled and worn down, because oh, town yeah, and- he was supposed to reflect the town because the town was him, and I really think he needed to have someone who reflected that better. You know who I think would have been great, and he had just come off of Maverick as well, is James Coburn. Yes. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. Because he gives off that kind of smug. Yeah, but can we see him actually doing, you know, quick shooting? You know, like that's the thing. Like you still need someone young enough to be believable that he could do a quick draw. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even in that movie, James Coburn looks like he's about 103. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe uh, if we're sticking in the in the Maverick universe, maybe James Garner. I don't know. But uh-huh. I don't I I liked the Gene Hackman character. I would have been okay, too, with, um, you know, like like a Mel Gibson, you know, someone like him, like a like a younger, more charismatic, but someone that can, can play kind of crazy. I mean, you know, as long as he's old enough to be Leonardo DiCaprio's dad, which Leonardo DiCaprio looked like he's about 14 in this movie, even though he's 21. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he was 12. Yeah, I mean, when the first scene when he's drinking a beer, you're like, well, there's no way he's old enough to drink a beer. But <laughs> his actual age would, when shooting was 21. So when he's making out with Sharon Stone, who's 37, uh, my wife commented, hey, at least they did it the other way this time. Yeah, it's good yeah. work if you can get it. Yeah. And both were legal. Yeah, but like usually in Hollywood, it's the other way around, right? Usually it's yeah, the 37-year-old making out with the 21-year-old. Which is why she paid a salary to be on the film. Yes. Well, there's a great piece of <laughs> trivia about that that says, uh, I have to read it. It's so funny because uh, it was Sharon Stone. Uh, let's see. Sharon Stone named Russell Crowe as her favorite on-screen kisser. She didn't feel the same about Leonardo DiCaprio saying, quote, it was like as it was about as sexy as kissing my arm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe that's why DiCaprio has so many girlfriends. He can't get over being compared to a, her arm. So there are two scenes that are cut from this. And one is a wedding scene that allegedly has Bruce Campbell in it. And then there was a sex scene between Sharon Stone and Russell Crowe. And they 
took it out because it didn't fit the mood of the film. It, it seemed weird to go there after shootings and, you know, threats and how dirty and grimy and how everything is. So they took that out. And I think it's a better film for it. Yeah. I, I think that that would also have been weird because he's already – Russell Crowe's character is already battling with the fact that he has to kill people again. Mm-hmm. Um, As a preacher. And I, and I think that having sex outside of a marriage as a preacher would have been another thing he would have had to battle with. Especially while chained to the uh, town fountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awkward. Like how would he have gotten – I guess, I guess, did they, was that when it was like, he, they're like outside in the dirt yeah, or something? I think so. Yeah. It, Cause it talked about in the thing, how he was chained up. So I'm like, okay, so it had to be town fountain. Interesting. It okay. was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Some of the last few notes here I have before we play some clips of this movie. Uh, let's see. I do like how. I do like how the story kind of unfolds as, as um, basically as her, as she's experiencing things for the new time. Right. So she is us, right. She's the audience. This is her first time seeing this crazy town, but when they're getting ready to hang Russell Crowe and he says, grab a chair, apparently Gene Hackman is addicted to chairs because he did that before with Gary Sinise. And was this after Forrest Gump? I think right wasn't Forrest Gump yeah. 94? 94. Yeah. Yeah, he'd been Lieutenant Dan. So it's like it's like Oscar nominated Lieutenant Dan. You have one line and we're going to hang you. Like that's all you get to do. You know, it's like And oh. you get a bad wig. Yeah. Well, even <laughs> even Gary Sinise needs to pay the bills, right? <laughs> uh anyway, uh I just kind of like how we get little bits beats bit gosh, bits and pieces to kind of show her trauma as she's going throughout the movie because we see the chair thing and then we get a flashback and then we you know something else reminds her of that. And we get another flashback and I just, I really, I kind of liked that part of the movie, how we're constantly yeah. just getting these flashbacks. So like you kind of get the motivation why she wants to kill him. Um, but you know, it's, she also wore a really cool looking dress when she went to go have dinner with him. I thought that dress was really kind of awesome and sexy. Just gonna be honest. She dresses up. So nice. did, did he give her that dress to wear? Yes. Is that how yes. she got that? Okay. That's what I thought, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Yeah. She didn't ride into town with that in her backpack. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, where did this dress come from? Yeah. But I, I assumed that he gifted it to her. Yeah, he pulled yeah, a he, he pulled a bed when he came back to her room or something. Okay, he's on the gunpowder bed. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't help but thinking about like so that scene. So I I guess are we supposed to insinuate that that her and DiCaprio had sex because because the line she says is funny, which I captured, but like did they do it on the gunpowder or not? I'm 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 interested to know. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they did. I think he thinks they did. Okay. Yeah, I think he, and she says he passed out. So yeah. I think he thinks they did, but I think she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, they're both hungover, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. We did have, uh, we did have a montage, so I am obligated to play it. And I don't ever have it. Here it is. 
we had a montage of like the first round of people getting shot. A bunch of people that we don't know are getting shot. Uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, Our B-listers. Yeah. 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 Or, or just extras, like dudes we don't even know. Uh, that we didn't well, even I meant our, our B list gunfighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not B list actors. Yeah. Yeah. The shimps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I did okay. So Hammond, I have a question for you because you've seen this movie way more times than either Andrew or I have. Do we ever really know why the town hates Russell Crowe? So it's not the town that hates him, it's uh Gene Hackman that hates him. And the town hates him because he used to ride with Gene Hackman and he turned on Gene Hackman. So he used to be a bad guy and he's trying to make amends. So the town kind of follows along because they're afraid of Hackman. Okay. It's not, it's not a personal thing. It's self preservational thing. I got it. Cause like they're throwing vegetables at him and hitting him and the kids and come not up. All and- the people though. It's not all the people. It's only people associated with Hackman's boys. Yeah, but yeah. it just seemed like there was some women there. I mean, the kids did it. The kids just showed up and beat the hell yeah, out of them. Yeah, because they're 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 uh, Tobin Tobin's kids and the other people's kids. They're they're all related to the same group. Oh, okay, I thought it was really funny that when the kid like goes under the horse and picks up the manure, I, at first I didn't know what was happening. I was like, why in the hell is this kid? Picking up horse, and he was doing it. He looked like Schmeagel or Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. He was, you know, like crouched down, and and I thought this is the creepiest thing ever. And then I realized why he was picking it up. Well, I love the fact that as a director, Sam Raimi probably had to go back into a pickup shot of the kid picking up the poop to establish where the poop came from when it was thrown. Yeah. So if you think about the filmmaking process, that yeah. was its own pickup shot, and it's probably probably half a day of work. Just for that shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could probably do that with the B the B uh team. A second unit, but it's second. still half a day. Yeah, a second unit guy. Like the boom operator's like, really? I gotta <laughs> I gotta do this. Well, Andrew, you know if Sam were here what he would say, right? Where did you boom the horse? Yeah. So yeah. so Hammond, I have to tell this story because well, I teased it, so I have to. So I worked on a, a western uh a, a while ago, well, two thousand eight. And and we had horses and chickens and goats on set at like all times. Like chickens are literally roaming the set at all times. And we had an animal wrangler there from somewhere, SPCA or something, a humane society. It was an animal rights group. And they're literally paid to be there to make sure that we're not mean to the animals. And I was the boom operator on this particular movie. And we're getting ready to do a scene where we're next to people are staying next to a horse talking. And I go to put the boom up and she literally screamed, Hey, whoa, 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 stop. I said, what? And she says, don't put that boom over the horse's head. And I said, why? And she said, horses can't look up. So when there's something above them and they can't see what it is, it freaks them out. And they think it's some kind of predator or something that's there to hurt them. So if you need to do that, do it from underneath. So the joke that I I mentioned on the podcast was you have to boom under the horse so that's a joke that has lived on the podcast since like episode 10 or something. Nice. It's yes. good to have running jokes. Yes. We, I've never asked, where did you boom the chickens? We didn't, I didn't need to. None of your clucking business. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the damn chickens. The chickens actually weren't a problem. The, the, the biggest problem with the animals was we had a horse we think was some kind of actor horse 
So several times we would say, roll camera, roll speed and action. And then the horse would start and counting. He would say, line. He would start <laughs> tapping his Go foot. Well, Wilbur? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would start tapping his foot on the wooden uh, sidewalk. Huh. Also, it was a dancing horse. I guess. I don't know. It was just funny. It happened several times. And we had to, we had to move the horse away from the wooden sidewalk. Like, is the horse in the shot? No. Then let's just get it out of here. Let's go put it away. Let's give it some something to eat or drink. Whiskey and cigarettes. Yeah, that's what you sure give a horse. Go for. Yeah. Um, last few things I'll mention here before we move on. Uh, death scenes are hard, and I think Leo did it well. I thought his death scene was really good. Yeah. Um, I think some of his acting in the movie was a little, little whatever, but I thought that scene was good. You know, the I don't want to die, and he's just kind of whatever mm-hmm. and gene hackman is such a douche and it's really good i thought it was really was another one of my notes in that scene my favorite line is where he, gene hackman looks at the crowd and goes it was never really proven he was mine yeah yeah <laughs> that's why i said he's such a douche yeah uh, that was one of my notes that he was just an ass to his well who we assumed was his kid and still could be for all we know yeah 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 also uh buy a gun for five dollars <laughs> Like ground check, no fingerprints. Oh gosh, not back then. You know, you just, you know, uh, you can you can point to some of the issues we have today to to that time period in our life. So, gun for five. You know, you know something else that bothered me about this. Gene Hackman's character, um, Herod, I guess, um, was a little too omniscient. You know what I mean? Like in the scene, it happened a couple of times, but there was once where he, you don't see him on camera at all. You just see Russell Crowe and uh, Sharon Stone and they're kind of talking between the saloon door, right? Yeah. And and they're like, don't, I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. Let's kill him, whatever. And then he is just there and he's like, you're both going to shoot each other. And you're, you're, you're going to f- do the gunfight, right? And I just felt like he was kind of omnipresent and, and omniscient as well. Like he just knew everything that was happening. I, I don't know. That kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah. So in the book, there's a there's a big conversation in a couple paragraphs about how when the story was written, they used – they wanted it to be kind of a religious allegory. And so that's why they used the name Herod. That's why it's called um, Perdition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's all this kind of religious allegory kind of tied into the story. And uh, none of that was on accident. Well, even uh, the name of the movie, The Quick and the Dead, is from the the Lord's Prayer. And he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, depending on which yeah. version you follow. But that's what I grew up on. The Presbyterian Church was, and he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. So when I heard about this movie, I thought it was a religious movie when I first huh. when I first heard of it. And then I saw the poster and I thought, oh, this is a gunslinger movie, you know. Uh, anything else we want to say before I move on to some clips? Oh, actually, last Those. one, last one. And then, uh, Andrew, you can say whatever you're going to say. I, my last note was simply, good hell. I hope the town folks weren't in the way of all that exploding. Not just the explosions, but why were they standing behind somebody in a gunfight? Well, there was a lot in of a that. duel. There was a lot that, of that. There, were, there was a crowd of people standing behind them. What if they miss? Yeah. Or what if the bullet goes through them, which clearly they can. 
and put giant holes through their heads and their torsos. Yeah, the shine light through. Okay. So my favorite <laughs> character in the movie is actually the little blind shoe shine kid. Yeah. Yeah. He actually has a lot more character development than some of the gunfighters. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. He does. He's a he's a neat character. I almost wish they gave him a little bit more to do, but yeah, he was uh, yeah. he was a neat kid, neat character. Yeah. Uh, I also kind of almost felt bad that he had to pour out the ink just to prove to us that he had red ink. But that was again second unit. We got to pick this up to make sure people understand what happened. Yeah, because uh-huh. we can't read the bottle that says red ink. We have to show it. Yeah. Yep, it's fine. It's fine. All right. Anything else? No. All right. Time for some clips. Clippy clip clips. Here we go. Uh, there's not a whole lot of like one-liners in this movie. This movie's got some good dialogue, but uh, there's some moments that kind of made me laugh, including this. Whoa, now, what if somebody gets too excited and starts shooting early? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cheats. And to be eliminated from the contest. I love how Hackman's guys always knew when to cock their guns to become menacing. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to throw in too the the total prize amount was like one hundred twenty three thousand dollars. Yeah, that seems awfully specific. Yeah, like why not one hundred and twenty or one hundred and twenty five? Yeah, I yeah. also love that it's sponsored by Wells Fargo. <laughs> well, maybe that's where that extra three thousand. Yeah, came Wells from. Fargo dropped in three grand. I just I love that he said that. That's why I picked that clip for the intro. That's for, that's for sponsorship uh, money. Yeah, it was sponsored the by Wells Wells Fargo. Fargo. Perdition gunfight. <laughs> Could you imagine some Wells Fargo accountant in New York being like, "Hey, we Bob gave three grand to some town. They're doing a shootout. Like they're literally killing people for money. That's good." All right. Well, was, they say our name three or four times. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> we've made it back. It could have been that 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 money came from you know, some, uh, uh, Herod's men that robbed a train, Wells Fargo. See, that's or, actually a very funny joke that I wish had been explained a little bit. Cause that's actually really funny. And I like that. Yeah. That yeah. The Wells Fargo by Herod and Wells Fargo is that Herod robbed, uh, stagecoach of Wells Fargo. Now that's funny. That would have been, you're right. Like if it, and that's a, that's a, a one liner, right? When he, when the, when commissioner Gordon is saying, $123,000 sponsored by Mr. Herod and Wells Fargo. And then someone says, one of the goons says, where did he get the money from? Oh, we robbed a Wells Fargo train or something. Yeah. Like, or it, from the yeah. stagecoach last week. Yeah. 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 It's a line, but it was funny because then like, because now we're not having this dumb conversation about corporate sponsorship for murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's called the NFL. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, All right. Uh, I forgot what this is called. This is called wedding, but I forgot what it means. Yeah, you certainly won that drinking contest. That's for sure. Then again, I sort of won you in poker. Last thing I remember was you puking and passing out behind the saloon. So let's not plan the wedding yet, okay? All right. All right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, one point he would have been uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna pull. Uh, I'm gonna be that guy. But when she's putting on her boots, you can kind of see a little bit inside her shirt. Just gonna say it. Sean. I know. I know. Whatever. <laughs> she's an attractive woman. That's that is what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Time for. Oh, I captured this. So this is 
Russell Crowe. I think this is the only, yeah, this is the only line of Russell Crowe's I've got, but he is Americans not quite holding up in this moment. There's a clip before the strike. Listen to the clock. Listen to the yeah, clock. I can hear a little, little bit of the, you know, it's little little bit. there's a clip before the strike. Listen to the clock. Yeah. Listen to the clock. The clock. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of a, a little slip on that word. I mean, it was his first American film, so you know he's forgiven for that. But it's, it's, uh. this is unforgiven. This is quick in the dead. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong movie. Uh, this line did make me laugh. We're gonna have to bury this old man. He stinks something off. <laughs> so I, you know, I spent six. I spent six years as a crisis worker in a jail, and then I spent another twelve years working for the courts inside the jail. And I can tell you. That until you've experienced a human body that smells that way, it's just a joke. And then when you experience it, it's not a joke anymore because you know exactly what that smell is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad they brought it to light because uh, it's a real thing. Interesting. <laughs> the human body can pick up some awful, awful smells. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Like Noah's Ark 39th day kind of smells. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and here's a little bit of Leo at the end, toward the end of the movie. About that, I'm his son. If this is the only way he's gonna admit that. So be it. What can you possibly get out of this? What do you want? All I want is his respect. Now I like that that line for or that scene for a couple of reasons. One, it just you know he's showing off a little bit of his acting because for the most of the movie he's just this cocky kid. This it shows mm-hmm. him, you know, not being that, being scared and a little resilient. But then the last line he says, it's like he, uh, the, all I want is his respect. He kind of turns it into like one syllable word here. What I want. All I want is his respect. You know, like all I want is turns into one word there. I think that's kind of funny. All I want is his respect. <laughs> anyway, but he did really good. I thought he was really good in this movie. Evidence that he would be a good actor later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we had we had that evidence from what's eating from Gilbert grapes. Well, yeah. Yeah. grapes yeah. from the Gilbert. What's eating Gilbert? Yep. And uh, wasn't right before this was uh, Romeo and Juliet, I think. The Baz Luhrmann Romeo. I can't remember if it was before or after this. I think it might have been after. I don't remember. Anyway, it's not important. What's important is, is that our next segment, our game, is sponsored by... That's Serena over there. And that's Naomi, and we are the hosts of Weird Mythic Podcast. Yes, we are. Our show, Weird Mythic, covers stories about cryptids, which is what brought us together to create the show. But we also like to talk about anything paranormal and strange that happens in the world. We post episodes every Sunday on different topics, and we would love to have more listeners. We're on all podcast platforms, and you can find us on all social media sites as well. Give us a listen, send us some personal stories to share on the show, and we will love you forever. Yes, we will. We would love some personal stories, some cryptid encounters, and we hope that you listen and tune into the show. You can listen to Weird Mythic Podcasts wherever you get your podcast fix. And now for some more bad news. Ready? All right. This is our game. This is the game called, Hey, Did You Notice? I got it right that time, Andrew. 
Um, <laughs> this is a game where Hammond and I will go back and forth. It's a trivia style game, but there's actually no trivia. This is just stuff did, that Andrew found interesting in the movie, and we're going to see if we noticed it. And uh, it's a simple game. Hammond goes first. If he gets the question right, gets a point. If he doesn't get the question right, I can steal the point. Best out of five wins. And if you win, you get absolutely nothing except I will mail you stickers anyway. So there you go. <laughs> the ones okay. you were going to get for being on the show. Yeah, anyway. the ones yeah. you're going to get on the stage. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Hammond, here's low the first st- question. Low stakes, high reward. That's right. Yeah. Here's the first question. How tall does the casket maker say Ellen is as she rides into town on her horse? Oh my gosh, you're going to say it and I'm going to repeat. I'm going to know exactly what it is. Um, It's not a number. It's a description and I cannot remember what it is. All right, Sean, do you have a guess? He says 5'8". You're 5'8". Yeah. Okay. I thought he said something like comparison wise. I didn't think he said five eight. I thought he said something comparison wise. Yeah, he says five eight. Yeah, he says you're you're five eight, right? I always get it right. Or something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So a point for Sean. Sean, this question is for you. All right. Wow. While, while looking at Doc Wallace or the town doctor. Yeah. In the distance at the Dies de la Muerte uh, celebration, Ellen is distracted by a man who's trying to sell her what? Uh, teeth, wasn't it? I got gold yeah. teeth, uppers and lowers. Yeah, gold teeth. There you go. And all then right. she just keeps on walking. He goes, I'm wasting my time. Yeah. She got all her teeth. Yeah. All right, that's two for Sean. Yeah. Hammond, this back to you. Spotted Horse says he cannot be killed by a bullet. He tells everyone in the saloon that he's been shot several times in different and multiple locations on his body. How many times did he sh- say he has been shot in the head? I want to say four. All right, Sean. <laughs> I thought it was just one. Technically, it's two. Oh. Because he, he says, I got shot in the back of the head today. And then he, he was says, shot at the cheek or something like that. And he's shot, shot oh. in the lip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Two. All right. Yeah. So no points awarded there. Uh all right, Sean, this goes back to you then. In a picture of Kid, as he was a child, he's shown holding a gun, wearing a cowboy hat, and has a piano in the background behind him. Earlier in the film, Ellen is shown with what instrument behind her? Oh, geez, I don't know. It's the banjo from last week. Not a banjo. Hammond, do you know? Uh, I'm going to say piano, just because... Circular logic. While they're eating dinner in Herod's dining room, there is a harp behind her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Harp. All right. So yeah. no points for that one as well. Last question. And this goes to Hammond. How many pounds of dynamite are in each barrel that kid sleeps on? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it's 25, isn't it? Yeah. 25 pounds in each barrel. It's nice. printed or, or, yeah, printed on the side. I, I remember seeing it. I don't remember registering it. I, I Yeah. 
It's again, it's only because I know this game, so I start paying attention. In fact, Andrew, I wrote down the name of the saloon just in case you were going to ask that again. Well, th- that's why I didn't ask because I figured you would be expecting that. Yeah, I did. I yeah. wrote uh, it's called the Pigeon's Nest Saloon. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, all right. Well, that was awesome. Hey, I'm a loser. It's fine. No, it's I'm okay. Good. Hey, you're still going to get one some today by, by my kids, so it works. You got called what by your kids? A loser. Oh, well, <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get a pink envelope with some stickers in it, and you can say, "Ha, who's the loser now?" Little pink envelopes is the song that John Kirk Mellencamp meant to record but didn't. Oh, yeah. well, you're gonna get a medium sized pink envelope with stickers and uh, a button. So there you go. So uh, one more piece of trivia mm-hmm. um, that I found interesting that I didn't put into a question form because it was kind of hard to do that. Um, was I found it interesting when we get the flashback and uh, to where she's standing there and she has to shoot her dad. She has to shoot the rope so her dad can live. And uh, Herod says, you get three shots. And if you think back to the first scene where she shoots um, the, the rope to take uh, Russell Crowe's character down, she shoots three shots hmm. at the rope. And uh, I just thought that was interesting. This is interesting. And with Herod being as all-knowing as he seemed in the film, it should have tipped his hand of who she was way early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, it should have, but anyway. All right. Also, if the doctor recognized her, Herod would have recognized her. Well, I guess probably Herod is probably just too busy being evil. He doesn't notice people like that, I guess. But he seemed to be a detail guy. That's what... Andrew was saying he's all about the having all the information. Yeah. So it, it if the doctor recognized her, Harold would have recognized her. Frankly, everyone in town should have recognized her. Maybe the doctor she, is the one. Blonde, that, she was the only blonde kid in that town. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. We, uh, so if you're listening to this uh, in the future, as you are. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I know I participated in the top three, and I wrote down three Gene Hackman movies uh, quotes. Well, that's because I put that on Twitter before I realized we had done Gene Hackman movies about six weeks ago. Totally forgot. Maybe eight weeks ago. <laughs> and just forgot. So we changed it up while we were going to, right before recording, to Leonardo DiCaprio films. So that's just the way it is. I will still read those that uh, that participated, though. So don't worry don't you fret none. All right, Hammond, what are your three favorite Leonardo DiCaprio films? All right, I pick Shutter Island. Nice. Catch Me If You Can, Aviator. All right. All, all good. I've not seen The Aviator. I need to see that. Aviator's good. It's uh, long. Sure. It's good. All right. Uh, that's what she said. Okay. I had to say it. Sorry. I was, Andrew was uh, normally is Andrew was Scout cookie. Is that a, is that a, oh, it's, no, a, it's a, York a, a York peppermint patty. It looks yeah. like one of those, uh, it's a, qu- it's a quiet, uh, uh, dessert treat. I think is why. Yeah. Andrew's usually I'm eating like nuts and bolts. Yeah. <laughs> Sticks, <laughs> dry bones and leaves. Uh, my three, well, I chose uh Django unchained, uh, shutter Island. Also shutter Island is so good. And we watched it not that long ago for the show. Also, at least it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And inception. I love inception. I think it's such a good movie. I I'm, I'm often um, amazed at how 
many people are confused by that movie, but that's okay. I like it yeah. a lot. I've seen, I've probably seen that movie nine or 10 times. Andrew. Well, um, number three, I have a movie we've already mentioned, uh, and that's what eating, what's eating Gilbert grape. Um, I, I still think that that is one of his finest roles. Um, yeah. because I can remember watching that, uh, I guess I was in high school and thinking, uh, you know, this kid is, uh, you know, mentally disabled or a uh, differently disabled child who's an actor because I had never seen Leonardo DiCaprio before. And so I just assumed that he was an actor who was differently disabled. And, um, when I found out it, he was acting. I was like, wow, that's really, really impressive. Uh, and I, th- I thought that, uh, he, he did really well in that film. Number two, I have the man in the iron mask. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, number one, Wolf of wall street. Okay. So I chuckle at man in the iron mask. I have to tell this story. So years ago, this would have been two thousand. Well, it had to have been 2008. Mm, yeah, that time frame works. 2000, no, uh, 2010, excuse me. Uh, I was working at the theme park here at the time. And during, uh, when the park closed during the winter, I was a pizza delivery driver, just wait until the park reopened. And uh, buddy, buddy of mine there at the, at the Domino's, his name is Jeremy, really nice guy. Uh, we were talking about movies and we were talking about the upcoming, uh, I think Hulk was about to come out. Uh, or maybe Iron Man 2. I think Iron Man 2 was a, uh, either had just come out or was about to come out. I can't remember. It was the winter maybe before whatever. So we were talking about Iron Man 1 and how much I liked it and how I thought that the you know Robert Denny Jr. casting was, was, was really great. And so my, my, my coworker goes and watches Iron Man 1 and comes back the next day and goes, he was really, really good. And then I found the sequel online. I'm like, what? No, there's no way you found the, the sequel. It's not out yet or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but he goes, but it was really strange. Did they recast Robert Downey Jr. with Leonardo DiCaprio? And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, and, and it was like medieval times. Is there like a time travel thing happening? And that's when I was like, wait a minute. Did you watch the man in the iron mask? And he says, yes. Is that not the sequel to iron man? I said, no, that is a very different thing. So Whenever I think of that movie, I think of a better one that's set in that time, same time period, and that is uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, Twitter has graced us with a few options. Let's see. Again, thank you, Twitter, for for participating. Again, I'm the one that messed up. That is not your fault. So we have such fine su- uh, suggestions as from the Feel Good podcast says Hoosiers, Unforgiven, and The French Connection. Again, this is when we were doing Gene Hackman uh, movies. The FSF Pop Popcast, excuse me, the FSF Popcast says Superman, The Replacements, and Crimson Tide. Uh, the Replacement and Crimson Tide are on my list. Uh, Screen Nerds Podcast says The Replacements, Mississippi Burning, and Hoosiers. And our good friend Carrie from the Dick Tales podcast said the Birdcage, the Replacements, and Hoosiers. So cool. thank you all for participating. Again, I'm the one that messed the things up. So not your fault at all. All right. Hi, Carrie. And uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to Denise. Oh, yeah, Denise, who uh, 
who won't, who won't hear, hear this, this for, for a long time. She did say that uh, she was going to maybe listen to some of the new ones, um, but we'll, we'll see. Heyman, we have a listener who has confessed that she is starting from episode one, and uh, mm. so tonight was 406, so it's going to be a minute before she catches up. Uh, I would she, be curious to know if she's watching or listening in uh, like a faster speed. I I've, I've, I haven't asked her that, but uh, she did watch or did listen to Ip Man today. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. She posted that she listened to Ip Man, and but she didn't watch the movie because she didn't want to read. So she said she'll <laughs> she'll skip over it, but she still listened to it and had a good time. Uh, all right, cool. time for this. Sorry, I cut you right off. Say it again, Heaven. I started listening to a show called uh, the best movies never made or most the yeah best movies never made mm-hmm. and I downloaded pretty much the entire catalog and been working my way through right. and uh, it's it's a fantastic show it's about you know unproduced scripts or different versions of scripts that were produced it's really really good but I've been pounding through them at two speed nice I can't do that I when I listen to them at regular speed it sounds like they're drunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried doing the morning stream at like one and one fourth speed, and it just sounds so weird to me. I just, the, the cadence is off. Everything just sounds weird. So it's fine. All right. Uh, I'm going to play this again. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we give this movie a score from zero to 10. And uh, we start with Andrew. Uh, 6.5 is what it is on IMDb. Mm-hmm. I am going to go a little below that today and i'm gonna say um let's just do a a 5.3 bullet holes in the chest of the native american guy i forget his name (laughs) yeah you have it in your notes spotted horse question there you go there we go spotted (laughs) horse all right hammond what you got i'm actually going to go a little bit above and give it a 7.2 all right well he's embracing the decimal i like it uh 7.2. 7.2. You know, I was actually surprised uh, you're not a little higher um, to be, to I, be honest. I, I, lo- I, you know, I initially had this as like an eight. Yeah. But as I continued to watch it and think about the things that I, the things that kind of created issues for me, I pulled it back a little bit. Yeah. But I started it at an eight and then the film kind of knocked itself down for me. That's fair. Uh, I'm actually going to go a little higher. I have such a good time with this movie and I like a good Western and I haven't watched enough of them, but I, I like a good Western and uh, I mean, heck, I like the Western that we watched last week, Cowboys and Aliens. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about me other than I guess I like a good Western. I'm going to give it a seven and a half, seven point five, 7.5 and uh, I'm okay. You got to watch, watch at least the, the premiere, uh, the pilot episode of Briscoe County Jr., uh, I'm actually not going to give it a 7.5 because that math comes out weird. So I'm going to give it a 7. Point, nope, can't do that either. <laughs> Boy, this is getting strange. I'm going to give it a 7.7. There we go. That gives it a 6.73 repeating. I didn't want it to be a 6.66 repeating. I just felt a little awkward about that. <laughs> just going to be honest. So a 7.73 repeating, which is pretty close to what we had last week, honestly. And uh, just to continue my... A streak of doing this that movie kind of uh well that's actually pretty close to the same score as superman which is the last gene hackman movie we did and uh-huh. uh, uh so what was that one movie uh master and commander also a 6.66 repeating 
And Russell Curl. Uh, uh, yes, it did. And uh-huh. and Jarvis. Heyman, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, please tell us once again where we can find your information, your website, your Twitter, your whatever you want people to uh, to go and look and listen to you. Uh, jhammonc.com. I'm at jhammonc on Twitter. Uh, at jhammonc pretty much everywhere. On Instagram, it's lots of pictures of my dog, Fish Taco. On Twitter, it's a lot of jokes. Uh, Facebook, it's pretty boring. But jhammonc.com, I've got a bunch of shows on that website you can follow links to. And yeah. Yeah, go to Twitter and follow him there. His dad jokes are the my highlight of every day. I look forward to them. They are amazing. I, I should have had a handful of them queued up just for this episode. I my think- favorite one that I've done in the last few months is my favorite childhood memory is building sandcastles with my grandfather until my mom took away the urn. Nice. <laughs> so my favorite one that you did recently, uh, I read this out loud and this was great. Your quote just got hospitalized due to a peekaboo accident. They put me in the ICU. Now I read that. I read that without context. I just read out loud with my wife in the room, just got hospitalized due to a peekaboo accident. Put me in the ICU. Oh my gosh. Who's hurt? What happened? Was it Sam? Like, no. So I read it again, but slower. And then she just slapped me. So, (laughs) so for some reason, that one really blew up. I had no idea that that joke was going to do what it did. All of a sudden it kind of got crazy. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that joke, uh, has 470 likes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like the joke before it has two. (laughs) So I, I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I had something to do with it. I'm just going to say that, you know, <laughs> you know, 16 of those likes came from uh, from me. So there you go. I had a little bit to do with it. I mean, I did. And I also did recount the fact that my wife hit me. So these are the jokes. Go follow uh, Hammond on his Twitter account, which is uh, at J Hammond C. Uh, really good stuff. Highly recommend. All right. Next episode, next week, we are doing a very special movie to us all. That's right. We are doing Edward Scissorhands. Scissors. Scissors? Scissors. Is it plural? Edward Scissor Scissor. Hands. Scissor singular. Scissor but hands. hands, plural. So scissor hands is one word, or it's a hyphen. Yes. So scissor it, it is one word, yeah. Okay. And I just found out today, actually, I heard on the radio a really interesting piece of trivia that I'll I'll save for next week. Nice. About the movie. Nice. And we have our guest next week hails from Ireland. So she will be our first uh, international, intercontinental guest, I should say, because we've had a guest or two from Canada, but they don't really count. So there you go. Next week, Dr. Sean Travers joins us for Edward Scissorhands. But that's it. In the meantime, go to our website, cheapsuitreviews.libsyn.com. There you can find links to our social media and all of our other stuff. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cheapsuitreviews. Send us a buck. That'd be super great. Also, new stickers are coming. That's right. If you've been seeing us on social media, we're going to take some of our old artwork that Sam made and turn them into some stickers. Uh, Patreons will get those at the $5 level, or you have to buy them. That's just the way it is. Um, But... Do that. Go to patreon.com slash cheap seat reviews to support us there. That would be fantastic. That's going to do it. So on behalf of Ham, Hammond, excuse me, 
Andrew and Sam. I was like Hammond and Sam at the same time almost turned into salmon. Hammond, Andrew, <laughs> and Sam. This is Sean saying thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week for Edward Scissor Hands. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. <laughs>